Amen. How much does Christmas cost? If you're a late shopper, Christmas may not have cost you much yet at all. But uh, I think that procrastinators probably wind up spending more at Christmas time than those who shop early because they haven't taken advantage of the specials and the bargains. They have to pick over whatever's left and pay whatever price is being asked. Whatever the case, everyone knows that Christmas is the costliest of all our holidays in terms of consumer spending. The Gallup organization reported in October that 55% of the American population expects to spend about the same for Christmas as they did last year. And the average amount individual Americans expect to spend is $932. But the real cost of Christmas is not one that can be measured in dollars and cents. And it's a cost so high that only one person could afford to pay it. But he chose to pay the price nonetheless in spite of what it cost him. Today I want to talk about the high cost of Christmas and why its value is truly priceless. I invite your attention with me this morning to Philippians chapter 2 as we will look at verses 5 through 11 together. I will read this passage for us and if you are able I would invite you to stand with me as I read God's Word for us today. <clears throat> In Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5, a familiar passage to many of us, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank you. Please take your seats. <clears throat> now you may not initially think of this text of Scripture as having much to do with Christmas. After all, there's no mention of Bethlehem or shepherds or angels or mangers or anything such as that. But all of those things are sort of the close-up view of Christmas the details surrounding the birth of our Lord Jesus. But this text we've just read takes a broader view of what was involved in Jesus coming to us as a human being to save us, to redeem us. That's what I want you to consider on this third Sunday of Advent. I want you to think with me about what Jesus gave up and left behind in order to take on human flesh and be our Savior. Dr. Jim Dennison writes a daily devotional email. I've been on his distribution list for years. And some, some years ago, he wrote about all of the 
bad things going on in the world, the bad news that were, was making the headlines. And if he were to write it today, he would no doubt refer to the war in Ukraine, the frequency of these mass shootings always in the news, the bitter partisan divide that keeps our government from getting anything done that benefits us, high inflation rates, conspiracy theories that have led so many astray, and so on and so forth. But then he wrote, imagine that you were reading today's essay from your home in a remote country, completely at peace and totally secure. Your homeland is immune from the economic turmoil of these times. Its enemies cannot attack its borders. Its residents commit no crimes. Its land suffers no disasters. Would you leave such a home at peace for a world at war? Knowing that you would be rejected by the people you came to help? Abandoned by your friends and executed by your enemies? This is the story of Christmas. This is indeed what Jesus did precisely. Now we know from any number of scripture passages that Christ enjoyed a heavenly existence and status prior to his incarnation. In fact, he was instrumental in the creation of the entire universe. John's gospel in chapter 1 tells us, all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. But this text in Philippians tells us that He left all that behind to become one of us. Verse 7 literally says that Jesus emptied Himself and became a slave in order to save us. What that means is, is that Jesus emptied Himself of His divine privilege and status, and became a servant, ultimately dying. And not just dying, but doing so on a cross. All of that in order to save us. Verse 8 says, He humbled Himself for our sake. He left behind all of the riches of heaven, to enter into our poverty so that we could leave behind our poverty in order to enter into His riches. In fact, the Bible says exactly that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that you through His poverty might become rich. And verse 6 says that Jesus did not consider equality with God, equality with God, something to be grasped, meaning a divine privilege to be asserted and held on to at all costs. He let it go for us. The world grasps after status and privilege. The world pines for power and and is reluctant to release it. In the news this week, there was a story about the president of Peru who tried to disband Congress in order to keep them from impeaching him and kicking him out of the presidency. It didn't work out too well for him. He was arrested. He's in jail now. But 
That's what the world does. The world doesn't want to let go of power. But Jesus did. Jesus emptied himself of it for our sakes. At Christmas, we sing a well-known hymn. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. To bring us comfort and joy, Jesus had to leave comfort and joy behind. To save us, he had to sacrifice himself. For Christmas to come, a cost was incurred. And Jesus paid it. You see, Christmas at its most basic is a rescue mission. And a very dangerous rescue mission at that. It takes a certain courage to embark on a rescue mission when doing so endangers one's own life. In a circumstance like that, the potential cost is tremendous. At 12.45 a.m. on May the 11th of 1996, four exhausted mountain climbers hobbled into the safety of the highest camp on Mount Everest in the middle of a full-scale blizzard, the very camp from which they had embarked for the summit more than 24 hours before. They reported that a group of five other climbers was stranded some 300 yards away, unable to locate the camp and likely too weak to get there even if they could. In the darkness, in the howling gale, visibility was reported at three feet at best. The wind chill was more than 100 degrees below zero. In a situation like that, would you leave behind the safety of the camp to go out on a rescue mission looking for those lost climbers? Well, a Russian climber named Anatoly Bukriev did exactly that. You see, not all Russians are war criminals, apparently, like Vladimir Putin. Anatoly Bukriev went out not once, not twice, but three times looking for those climbers. The first time out, he looked for about an hour, could not find them, so he returned to get better directions and then went out again. He finally saw the faint glow of a fading headlamp and managed to locate the five missing climbers. One of them was still able to help himself, but three were utterly helpless, and the last one appeared to be dead. Well, he gathered one up and took her back to the camp. Then he returned to the group. By, by then, one of the climbers in his delirium had wandered away and was lost. Leaving behind the one who died, Bukriv took a second climber as the third one followed him as he led them back to the camp. They finally made it back at 4.30 in the morning, almost four hours after Bukriv had gone out on his rescue mission, after climbing Everest that day, by the way. But his heroic actions had been responsible for saving the lives of three of those five climbers. 
And in spite of some criticism from some for his actions on the mountain, the American Alpine Club gave Anatoly Bukreev their highest award for valor for undertaking the rescue. And he had done it all at great personal risk that could have potentially cost him his life. But with Jesus, the cost was not potential. It was actual. And he knew it from the very start. He knew the price that he was going to pay. Jesus, in one of the parables, said no one starts a project without first counting the cost. Jesus knew what the cost would be for him to embark upon the rescue mission that bought our redemption. In Jesus' case, there was a cost on the front end, leaving the bliss of heaven for the trials and problems of earth. And then there was a cost on the back end. His exit involved a torturous, cruel, slow death on a cross. And he knew it. He knew what it would cost him to save us. Now, you might well wonder how someone like God could incur a cost for anything. I mean, after all, everything in the universe belongs to God. If he pays a price for anything, isn't that rather sort of like a rich person transferring money between accounts? I mean, what's he really out anyway if one of his businesses buys something from one of his other businesses, right? It's all still his, isn't it? Well, in one sense, perhaps so. But as I said at the beginning of this sermon, there are some costs that go far beyond dollars and cents. If you don't believe it, ask Kanye West what some of his recent tweets have cost him. Ask Herschel Walker what his past cost him. Ask Richard Nixon or O.J. Simpson or Bill Clinton or Tiger Woods or Bill Cosby or countless others, pastors and preachers included, all who have paid or are paying prices in their lives that no fortune, however vast, can ever eliminate. Some things are very costly, even for those who have everything. The difference is that those guys brought that cost on themselves by their sinfulness. Jesus didn't. Jesus lived a sinless life. He didn't owe anything to us or God or anyone else. And in fact, we, you and I, are no less guilty than those folks I just named. But the one who paid the price for us was Jesus. The Bible says we have been bought with a price, a price so steep, so high, that only God in Jesus Christ could afford it. That old saying you've heard is absolutely true. We owed a debt we could not pay, but He paid a debt He did not owe ours to save us. Jesus Sacrifice the comfort and joy of heaven to come live among us as God with us, Emmanuel. That's literally what that Hebrew word means, God with us. It's more of a description 
than it is a name. And if, if that cost weren't high enough, leaving the, the joys of heaven to come here to this fallen world that, that you and I created the mess of, if that weren't a high enough cost, Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sins on the cross with His own blood, with His life. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So how much does Christmas cost? To paraphrase an old MasterCard commercial, a seven and a half foot artificial spruce pre-lit Christmas tree can be had for $199.99 on Amazon. Chestnuts for roasting on an open fire, $13.99 a pound on nuts.com. A partridge in a pear tree has gone up almost 26% in the last year. It's now $280.18. Presents for our loved ones, $932 apparently. Eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Priceless. Absolutely priceless. What that means is no one can afford it. And yet, and yet, it's offered to us as a completely free gift. Now, don't think that means it's cheap. Quite the contrary, in fact. It cost our Lord everything. Only God knows the true cost of Christmas. But I pray that you understand the value of Christmas in your life. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for Christmas. We're so glad you sent your Son into our human experience to teach us how to live and to pay the price for our sins. He took upon Himself our just penalty for our transgressions so that we might be forgiven and have the gift of eternal life. I pray, dear God, that we might never devalue that expense, that we might always revere Jesus, whom You have given the name that is above every name. May we, may we always recognize why you have done that. May we value above all things the gift that you have given us in Jesus Christ. We pray this all in that name, above every name, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We're going to sing.